Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. All right, welcome Caucus fans. Kia ora e It is great to have you along to another episode of Caucus. I'm Tim Watkin. I'm Guy Espiner. I'm Julian Wilcox. You've gone out on a limb calling them fans. I'm Lisa <laughs> Rowan. <laughs> both of them are really enthusiastic about this <laughs> Well, it's going to be a very taxing show today. Uh, this nice. week, after much build-up, uh, National had something to say. There was something that everyone was waiting for, something that was one of the missing pieces of the campaign jigsaw. Something that uh, had every political nut on tenterhooks. Yes, National's long-awaited tax plan. The National's tax plan. What I can tell you is uh, we've got a great package. And you're actually going to see a plan, a tax plan that's comprehensive. Yeah. There will be four additional revenue message, measures in our tax plan. Tax relief directly into their bank account as part of this tax plan. On Wednesday, it came. It came at last. And it was big. So let's just very quickly spell out what National is actually doing, because you've probably heard the numbers and we can talk, we're going to break those down. But what it actually is doing is adjusting the tax bracket. So this is dealing with what they call is bracket creep. So that um, inflation means that as you earn more, you move into a higher tax bracket. This moves those tax brackets. So you can earn more before you go up into the next tax bracket. That's why it's called tax relief. That's the guts of the policy. Um, in terms of dollar terms, here's what they had to say. It is the day that National gets to set out how we will deliver meaningful income relief for the squeezed middle of New Zealand who are finding it so hard. We're talking about up to $250 more a fortnight for an average income household with kids and childcare. We're talking about up to $100 more a fortnight for an average income household with no kids. And that is meaningful tax relief that will make a real difference to people's daily lives. So what's the real difference it's going to make to the campaign? Let's talk about that. What did you think of what stood out in the the big reveal? Well, just how firmly they are targeting that middle, they call it the squeezed middle. I can't remember a national party tax plan that didn't uh, touch the top tax rate. And they were going to do this, if you remember, back a, a year or so ago. Um, and so it takes away that level of criticism that the opposition might have that, you know, this is a tax cut for your rich mates, because anyone over 80k gets about the same. So they haven't adjusted that top uh, tax threshold, that bracket that you were talking about, only gone for the lower three. And, you know, it, that is quite a meaningful amount of money for an average income household with two kids of $250 a fortnight. There are lots of fish hooks, and we will get into some of them. I mean, things like cancelling um, the, the cheap affairs for public transport, etc. There's, there's a lot of other fish hooks in there. Mm. But I thought it was pretty nuanced, and I thought it was fairly politically palatable from National. 
Yeah, all I wanted to say was that um, I thought there's a lack of complexity where with the labour tax policy, there's a lot of complexity. You've got to go through and do a calculation with a lot of labour's tax policy that you don't have to do here. Now, there are some complexities, and we'll talk about those. The overall narrative, like the name, back pocket, very clear. Um, And the way in which they presented that was clear as well. Um, The other thing for me was that there's not a lot of it, uh, not a lot there for the poor. That's probably not surprising. I mean, there's a block of cheese, 20 bucks, um, and a little bit more. Um, and that's about it. But that probably won't be a surprise. They're aiming, as they say, at the squeeze middle. And the other thing I was going to say was that um, the more they can get Nicola Willis out in front of more people, the better they will go over the election campaign. Yeah, I mean, it's a big um, top-line figure, isn't it? $14.6 billion. So you look at that and think, wow, that's what's coming back to it, it is right? Big. And like, because Labor's tax plan, $3.6 billion. So yeah, I mean, no, no comparison in terms of the, the, the bottom line figure that you put in your billboard or indeed, whatever. Indeed. And when you break it down for the families, and they've got a lovely chart in their 30-page um, dossier that you can look yourself up in your income and say, do I have kids? Follow the line, this is how much I'm getting, which yeah. is helpful to people because it's a lot to try and take in. In terms of that top tax bracket, which Guyon was talking about, interesting enough, if you read into the detail, they are saying um, that we're not in a financial position to play with that right now. So we won't do that in the first term. term. But they've left the door open to do that later. And yes, this is very nuanced and clever on their part Mm. that in essence they are capping, what they're doing is capping tax back to those higher brackets. So Nicola Willis comes out and says, I'm going to get 80 bucks in my household a fortnight, right? Yep. And everyone who earns more than me will just get the 80 bucks as well. So in that way... And the people who earn a little bit less than that will get the um, 100 bucks. Correct. Yeah. But at the same time, there will be people sitting at home, and those people were texting Checkpoint last night and saying, she don't need 80 bucks, mm. <laughs> right? So it's kind of, again, you could say, more targeted... Don't give those people the 80 bucks. Take it back off them by inserting another tax bracket at the top or tinkering with that. Because there is a belief among some people that you could have redistributed that money lower down the food chain too, in some way. I thought it was quite an interesting sort of epoch in terms of economic argument too. Um, Grant Robertson labelled Nicola Willis, Trickler Willis, which was quite clever linguistically, but not true Mm. in that what we've seen in the past from National Act and right-leaning parties is this idea that if you cut taxes, it's going to stimulate the economy and tax cuts themselves have this economic benefit. We've not seen that from there. Have you seen any rhetoric around, we're going to cut tax and it's going to improve and stimulate the economy. I mean, that's what Trust was arguing in, in Britain, and they got wiped out. But the, they don't the, want to say that. It's, no, it's, it's not helpful to them. To so say this that isn't a trickle inflation. down policy, is no, it at all? No, no. This um, is... And and it isn't an argument that they're making that we're somehow going to improve the economy by um, st- stimulating it with with tax cuts. It's it's saying that whether you believe it or not, it's saying that New Zealanders are struggling with the cost of living, and we're going to try and make it easier uh, for them. And there was a pretty blatant pitch to blue-collar workers yeah. from, from yeah. Chris this Luxon is just, this is there. Just it's a different narrative. It's absolutely it a different narrative. This is th- Whether you wish to debate um, that uh, fact of whether there will be any stimulus in the economy is a different thing because there's varying opinions on that. You put more money in back pockets. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Julian was saying this, they're calling it the back pocket boost. You can't have a back pocket boost without stoking inflation. But it's <laughs> I the, mean, you can't it's, have it both ways. No, but it's, but it's the party of 
Keith Holyoke and Harry Lake and stuff, not the party of Ruth Richardson and, and Don Brash we're seeing here, right? It is that much more carefully calculated, centrist, squeezed middle kind of party, right? They are they are very much going for um, this this the it's a it's arguably a better political document than an economic one, perhaps. That's what it is. It is a political It's really document. sharp, right? Yeah. It's, it's clever politics because look at who they're also getting the money from. If you actually say, where is this money coming from to redistribute this money back into your back pocket? It's coming from overseas casinos, backroom bureaucrats, commercial property owners, um, foreigners who want to move here and buy but that's a property. Part of the there's, story. There's, none of these people are going to risk your vote. Well, yeah, All like the you... things everyone loves to hate. <laughs> All right. the things are... Yeah. It's, it's great pretty narrative. easy target. It's great but, narrative. Bill. But that's part of the narrative, yeah. right? Absolutely. When you look at it and say, is it, are they giving us laying out an economic argument or are they laying out our sort of heartstrings back pocket yeah. argument. Yeah. It's the second one of those, and it is the narrative and the words that go with it that is the political coup and in here's, many and, ways. Well, listen, listen to, to Chris Luxon, because we've, we've talked about this, but hear him say what he said um, back to Chris Hipkins about uh, that squeezed middle. What I'd just say to him is, whether you're a millionaire or whether you earn $80,000 a year, you're going to get the same amount of do- the same dollar amount of tax relief. You know, you know cases, what $40 a fortnight. See, that's gold for national, isn't it? That mm. All of those lines that Labour's been running about tax cuts for millionaires are suddenly gone. I, I think Labour was hoping to get a real win out of something that National did with its tax policy. They didn't get it. In actual fact, I think the way in which Nicola Willis spoke at the press conference preempted a lot of the arguments that Labour was going to try and throw their way. I, I think, actually, Lisa makes a good point that I hadn't really thought of, and I think she's absolutely right, that it is it is a, a political narrative. Usually, you, if you were really serious about economic policy... Um, you would use the tax system to incentivise the things you wanted people to do and disincentivise the things you didn't want them to yeah. do. Whereas this, um, you know, what it incentivises landlords. I mean, where, where are the, you know, if you look at governments, you know, more ideological um, governments yeah. or parties, you know, they had things like how are we going to get people to invest in the share market or how are we going to get people to to, 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 to to save for their retirement, etc. This is like, and look, it's okay. That's what I mean, but, not really an economic document in that no, sense, right? I suppose it is, to be about that middle. With with national party tax plans, usually the debate afterwards is about, you know, oh, are they are they too mean? Who are they hurting? Um, the you know, there's, there's the are they being too economically purist in some sense? Uh, the debate is what you're picking up on, Lisa. It's it's about whether we can rely on the numbers, which is more like. Green Party tax plan responses, right? Mm. After the Green Green Party yeah. releases, everyone goes, oh, can you actually believe it? I, I think, That's the debate now, Yes, I mean, there are two things in there, which I think is the numbers and whether they stack up, whether they are heroic, grandiose or voodoo, which yes. are some of the words that have been used, whether they, you know, I mean, they, they cited the fact that they'd had their um, plan independently looked at. I think the words um, that they used were that it was plausible. plausible that, yeah. that, that doesn't mean it's realistic, <laughs> it's right? Plausible, there's right. lots of things, there's lots of things that are plausible. plausible. Deniability. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of things that's plausible. Whether they are realistic Stephen or Joyce, not, it's, 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 it's economic esque. So exactly, <laughs> pretty legal. Yeah, yeah and M esque. Um, so there's that thing ar- around the the numbers. But in, when you're talking about incentivising people to do the things that you you believe in as a party, as a political party, mm. the one thing they do mention in their tax bracket adjustment, which I also think is interesting, is that they say a full time worker on the minimum wage right, will be able to work extra hours over time, so, you know, the diminishing returns thing, Mm -hmm. without getting pinged at a higher tax 
rate. So if you want to earn that little bit more for your family, if you want to go a little bit further, if you want to rise up in your earning capabilities, work hard and as, get a ahead. Mi- as a minimum wage worker, you can work hard and go ahead. So it's still there, it's just more subtle. Yeah. yeah, well, it's almost more moral, isn't it, in that sense, um, yeah. if you like. Yeah, the, the, the three C's came to mind for me. Uh, it was controlled. Yeah. It's... Um, it sounded very central, i.e. centrist, um, but also really calculated, well, that's four now, and cautious, which I don't think people expected. And when Labour tried to have a crack at its tax policy, it seemed like it was a little bit behind the eight ball, whereas National had said, this is what we're going to do, economic management, that's been their big yeah, yeah. And it sounded very much on brand. On brand. Well, Labour's looking like misers, aren't they? They're looking stingy at the moment. Uh, um, if you if you look, and I mean, social media is not the only barometer, and feedback to programs is not the only barometer. Mm. But those are the people who feel most strongly, probably, and put their views out there. There is a perception that they're being a little bit tight. Well, here's the, the, the so here's the choice that that is starting to come out of this in terms of whether Labor is being tight or whether they're just saying Labor will say right that they are you got you got to add it together, but you got to add their stuff together. Yeah, and right? the, the, so what would be news? You have the money or the bag, right? Exactly. You can have the money, fifty bucks, hundred bucks. It's easy to understand with National, as you're saying, right? With Labor. It's the bag. The bag is harder to understand Buses if you've got five things in the, the bag. Yeah, the bag right. is full of um, carrots with no GST yeah, on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And but also in a half-price bus ticket and yeah. um, 20 hours of ECE for your for your sorry uh, for your two-year-old. There, there's so many things in the bag. That's right. It, it becomes more complicated for people to do like-for-like like comparisons. And this is, what the lead, this is how the leaders have laid it out. These workers deserve to keep more of their earnings. And I have every confidence that they will spend their extra cash more wisely than any Labour government can. And then Hipkins says... Providing targeted support to cut the cost of basics like food, prescriptions, childcare and transport is a better plan and it's smarter economics. New Zealanders have a very clear choice at this election. What I would say in response to that is we're coming back to the money in the bag, right? Yeah. So um, Christopher Luxon's approach is I give you the money and you decide how you're going to spend it. At the same time, if you are assessing that, you must also assess the fact, well, I get the... Oh, I'm still going to have to pay $5 for prescriptions. How often do I take the bus because I'm not getting the half-price half bus ticket? Yep. What does that add up to? Minus that from what you're giving me in your straight-out tax relief package, and then you get a more accurate picture Mm. of where you're at. I thought that the the 15% tax on foreign buyers who purchase a property over $2 million, that's the the policy, nothing else would be touched. At the moment, um, listeners would know that there's a complete foreign buyers ban with a couple of minor exceptions. Not complete, yeah. With a couple of of minor exceptions. so I'm, I thought it was a very interesting and quite creative um, policy to slap a 15% uh, tax on those people. The, the, the issue here is will they get $740 million a year because the, the lion's share of those, uh, what did she call them, tax um, revenue measures, yes. which are taxed mm. effectively, yeah. didn't like to use the T word. Um, so $740 million from that and it, 
really it did look a bit heroic. It doesn't really look like they'd well, be that's... able to bring in that much money given how many houses over two million sell. Uh, I um, had some figures from Core Logic, which are the property people, and to the year ending June 2023, there was 2,600 homes sold at two million or more. So, and obviously there's going to be some very expensive ones in there and ones that are closer to the line. But yeah. to Guyon's point, and national say you that are there going will be to more. have to sell a considerable chunk of those yeah. to foreign buyers. Um, and the and national is, say there are going to be more buyers that people now, once they open up the markets again, there'll be people, people queuing up to come and do okay. that. Okay, let's just, let's um, kick the tyre on that one for a second, yeah. right? So Singapore... No, no, they won't be taxed because of our um, free trade arrangements. Aussies, no, you get free access no. to the market, so we can't tax you. So you've taken out two, yeah. two um, wadges, two blocks there. China, which is big China, China. What's going, what's going on with real estate in China at the moment? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Property crisis yeah. in China. Yeah. Yeah. So not with particularly so people queuing the up there. So in first year, and so this is where you got to kind of you know you get your nerd on here. So in 24, 2024 and twenty twenty five. Um, the first year that they're expecting to get funding from this, they're expecting 715-odd million back in year one of this policy. So you're going from zero up Bullock Track or Baldwin Street, you know? Yeah, and can they they actually get that kind of money? Rents is the other one that got talked about in the the same way. Are they actually going to... They're talking about uh, a policy that will get... um, uh, you can take deductibility off your rental property, which will get people back into the rental market and hopefully drive down rents, or at least put downward pressure on rents. Let's hear Chris Luxon. You're expecting rent cuts. We're expecting the removal of the Bright Line test from 10 years back to two and the unwinding of interest deductibility to actually put rent? downward pressure you're, on rents. You're telling me that landlords are uniformly going to pass off. We're going to make sure they put downward pressure on rents. How, keeping how, it, how are you going to make sure? Well, all, the, I, all I'd say to you is the counterfactual is that if you keep it in place, you end, up, you end up driving how rent prices up. There's downward sure? pressure on, on rents. How? That's what we expect to see. Do you think there'll be downward pressure on rents? Well, I think t- technically you can make a, 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 st- a, f- a strong argument that, that there would be. If you, if you reduce someone's costs, um, then you would you would hope they'd pass it on. I mean, it, you could say the same about Labor's uh, GST off um, fruit and veg, couldn't yeah. you? Which is exactly what they we, did, we, right? Which is what you do when you had this argument about, oh, <laughs> will, it get, get will it get passed on? Yeah. Uh, um, but I think, I think... So do we need a rental commissioner then, like well, a grocery commissioner, <laughs> to make sure it's passed down? Well, maybe we do. Yeah. But, I mean, look, I, I'm just saying, you know, factually and technically, yeah. of course, <laughs> if, 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 if you, you reduce get, someone's cost, then, yeah. of course, that would put... And if you get more pressure on rents, it's probably the best way to describe it. Well, I believe. Or you, or you, or you get more people looking for a rental property, and the prices go back up again because of demand, right? Well, potentially, all of that. What that does do is potentially house prices. If people get back into the rental property market, there's more demand just for houses generally, which drives house prices overall back. Up. And the, the companion for this is the alterations to the Bright Line test. Yep. Right. So down from ten to two years. So that makes it more attractive for um, investors and speculators. Stimulates the property market. uh, Yeah, and then if we're talking about that much sales, the value of sales in foreign buyers, and I just raise this as a question, is that the Molotov cocktail into the housing market or not? I'm 
No. And I know you want to say the, the Treasury report that talks about actually what drives rents. Well, yeah, it was yeah. really interesting. I mean, and recently there was, a, again, a Treasury, it was Treasury, Reserve Bank and Housing Ministry. I think it was a com- combination, their research. And um, they said it on the biggest drivers being um, wage inflation. Yeah. Like, how much are you getting in your back pocket? Therefore, how much can you afford? Therefore, how much can I click mm. it up? Yeah. Um, and there was one other, but none of them are related to... Yeah. Um, getting a tax back for landlords. But we're going to be seeing how heroic these numbers are. I think one test politically too is if this had been delivered by Grant Robertson and Chris Hipkins, I don't think anyone would have blinked an eye. This is a pretty centrist uh, policy. You you can't argue that it's um, some sort of far-right neoliberal sort of approach where it's tax cuts for for millennials and trickle-down economics. No, it would have been... Quite credibly delivered by a Labour it's, Party. It's back to our earlier conversations, head-on collision at the centre line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I wanted to, I've got a graph to play into this this week. It's not oh, quite, it's kind of a history lesson. A graph. Oh, I was waiting for the history lesson. History okay. lesson meets economics lesson this week. Could I possibly drive this off the This is something listeners? we've debated, Tim, <laughs> this is. week. Let's have a look at this graph. For those of you who are actually watching um, on YouTube, uh, you can see it. For those of us you who are listening, um, it's a graph showing core government spend as a share of GDP. And between 1972 and 2022, you basically see the um, percentage, the core government spend as a share of GDP stay between kind of the mid-20s percent up to the mid-30 percent. What it says is that whoever's in charge, whether you're talking about national-led governments or labour-led governments, there is a pretty small margin of change about what actually gets spent by the government. So this is the point. We tend to be led, we tend to find the centre in New Zealand, right? Whether you're labour or national, um, it's about hugging the centre to win the election, and we tend to stay there. Governments don't go wildly spending more or less, and we're seeing that again in this national tax plan. It is pretty much... Economic management, not economic reform. Okay, so put it in context. I'm going to read a line out of the tax dossier from the National Party. It says, Labor has massively increased government spending and will spend 80% more this year than in its first year of office. Yep. So what you're saying is, as a percentage of GDP, while it might in real money terms be an increase, as a percentage of GDP... All of these governments of all stripes through the decades yeah. have basically spent, generally speaking, the same percentage of our GDP. 30 to 40 percent, somewhere in there. And, and, look and the peaks, because I'm not going to answer this, but Guy will we'll have a good <laughs> picture of this because I've looked at this graph this week. I, I looked at it. Um, you know, the, the, big, the, big, um, the big spends in recent history from what governments do we think? It was kind of interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. What's the quiz? Do you want the big spe- the big increase in spend in the recent governments? Well, it's probably the key government because GFC uh, and because you had the you had GFC, but you also had the Christchurch exactly. 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 So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I think that I think that's right. Those those, those sort of. And I think it's a good way also to, to look at how this policy will, will be received. I mean, I don't think a lot of voters are going to be picking right down in, in, into those into those details. No, that's just what they we will do. probably they will probably um, <laughs> they will probably judge that um, as a fairly credible um, tax plan from National yeah, yeah. and look at Chris Luxon and think that he's kind of a guy who who might manage the economy well, um, and that'll probably be one, one of the main takeaways. I. I I, I don't really think that um, th- this attack on on him as 
and him and his deputy has, has trickled down. What was it, Trickler Willis? Yeah. Um, I just don't think it's going to land. Yeah, I think the other thing is, if you're thinking about voting national or you're a national supporter, you're pretty solid on this, right? If you don't traditionally vote national and you're not really thinking about voting national, you won't like it. There are those in the middle, that little bit that we talked about, a whole bunch of people who haven't made up their minds yet who are thinking this, looking at this and going, well, that doesn't scare me too much. Yeah. And again, around the narrative, they've learned out of the experience of what happened, has happened at the UK, what's happened yes. in the US and gone... You know, we just need to make sure we craft this well. And if you can use some rugby analogies here, what you don't want to be doing is knocking the ball on five minutes from the opposition try line, they turn over and then they win the Rugby World Cup. That's you can explain that done. to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, there's no knock-ons. No, I agree no, with that. No, and I, wanna, I, I think it's absolutely right. That's the, the very it, careful ball handling we're talking about. And here. actually, the, the ones who I think have been really effective in the communication of trying to dismantle this narrative has actually been the Greens. Chloe Swarbrick, you, we heard a little bit from the co-leader, James Shaw, this morning about trying to talk about, pe- particularly ETS, right? They've been really strong and hard about this. But they're the ones who can do that because they've got a very left with that wealth tax approach, very left approach to it, which is why they can be a bit more stronger. Uh, but it is interesting that, that you know the, the, the money that, that was ring fenced by the ETS to actually go into climate funds yeah. is now going to climate back into dividend. Your yeah, I call climate it. dividend, yeah. which he was. Uh, I trust it. you to spend it the best way you see fit. That's right. Rather than put that money aside for a very, very, very rainy day, it's going back into your um, to, to your hip, hip pocket now. Well, what have we said though the, is the main election issue? Cost of living. Mm-hmm. right? So all those other issues around health and education and infrastructure and all that kind of stuff, which you know other parties have talked about, they've appealed to the key election issue and they've delivered on that. Yeah. I want to pick up on what, in a second about what you said about scary, because you mentioned the word scary before and I think that's the interesting other part of it. But just before we, we, we end this bit about how centrist this is, I, I, I wanted to just play this grab from um, Christopher Luxon on Morning Report uh, earlier in the week. And the question is, are you, do you believe in smaller government or not? Oh, yes, we do. We, we actually believe in better government is the, is the key thing. Uh, I believe in better government, uh, and I think that's what we're going to make sure happens in the in, in a national government. We want to make sure we have a public service system that actually delivers outcomes for New Zealanders. What's interesting there is, is Christopher Luxon saying, actually backing away from the yeah. idea of small well, government. They, not yeah, like, yeah. Um, again, this is not the party of Don Brash or Ruth Richardson. No, who like, or even they would have answered, No, who would have said, small government, of course, we want to cut the government size, yeah. free the economy, no uh, let the market do Thing. You're struggling for no, any, apart from the good points that both Julie and Lisa raised the about the ability to earn more as a, you know, as, as a minimum wage earner or whatever, um, there, there's a bit of sort of almost moral push there, but there's very little ideology. About so, it. But that's okay, the National Party leader we, saying we want better public services. Not, not smaller government. Not smaller, yeah. but right, better public okay, services. So, not the market. So government. fine, we've been talking about how voters might react to this, mm. and then what you've saying, said in relation to um, Christopher Luxon's comments... He has to form a government. So who's he forming that? That's and exactly. that's the scary bit. That's why we wanted to get to scary yeah. because there is still a party that wants smaller government where the Don Brashes I mean, and Ruth Richardson's ended is, up. Is, yeah. um, is David that. Seymour going to to tolerate the savings in bureaucracy that National is getting? Is, and the is, keeping the winter energy payments and keeping the freeze fee and etc. No, he's no, not. He said that publicly, right? But the other thing is... You can see the political calculation here from Chris Luxon. He doesn't need to be saying that now. What, what, what was his line when he was asked and he was pushed on this at the press conference? And there was actually quite a he. He was asked. He said, "Okay, so this is your policy. Great. Yeah. But what about delivery? And what wow. about coalition? Funny I, you I should can't ask. Remember the phrase. But funny what was you it? should ask. Let's listen. 
this is our plan, this is a guarantee, irrespective of what happens with prefu and other things, by virtue of being self-funded, we can guarantee this delivery to the squeeze yeah. middle and working so that, means, that, means no, that means it doesn't matter what happens in any sort of coalition arrangements, this is the plan that, we'll, that Kiwis will get if they get a national government. There's no room for tinkering. This is the plan that we think is going to make the biggest difference to the squeeze no, middle and be able to help New Zealanders be able to get it. I'm specifically, is this all green fence, meaning that any coalition partners can't come in and make changes, or are you saying that there are some that's open for this is This is our tax plan. We're taking this to the election, and importantly, we're going to implement it on the other side. Implemented on the other side. Yeah, that was the, the words. That was the word, and he, and he used the word guarantee twice, mm-hmm. which he may not have meant to do, but we're going to implement this on the other side. It can go hang itself. Yeah, not happening. <laughs> it's not going to I mean, Honestly, if you've got a party that gets 15%, some are saying 15%, if that gets 15% vote, there's no way that he is going to be able to stick to this. And this, again, goes back to that thing about how he always tends to just, just foot and mouth sometimes when he does press conferences. Go, he goes a bit too far. There was some interesting reaction, and the YouTube view, uh, viewers will see this. Nicola Willis does this little smile. Well, it's almost a grimacing smile when he says stuff like this every time which is why they need her out there canvassing in front of as many people uh, as as she can before the election date itself. Actor's going to drag them there. So the political calculation is here. He doesn't need to go as hard right as some thought he might have to. He doesn't need to talk about, you know, how many ministries are going to get rid of and all that kind of stuff. He will end up getting dragged there by Act. And this is and so this is where Labour's attacks will go, right? They a Labour's campaign from here can attack that in the same way that John Key was very effective at attacking Labour and the Greens and saying the Greens are this bogey monster presumably strategically now. Labour goes, look at ACT, they're the scary ones. Yeah, and that, th- this is a reality of MMP elections, right? And I think it's fair enough for the political parties. They, they bring their own policy um, to, to the election, trying to get as many votes as they can. Um, the more votes that they do get, the stronger the bulk of their policy will be implemented. But you're always going to have a post-election negotiation scenario, and depending on your strength of your coalition partner, yeah. they, they may well demand some, some other things. It's possible that he would be able to deliver the bulk of this, and and buy act off with some other policies, mm. uh, who, who knows? But I I think it is a little bit unrealistic for us as as journalists to say. Well, can you guarantee a hundred percent that you're going right? to do this? And the bottom line what are, stuff. What are the bottom lines, well, right? you know, I mean, as Julian says, if if, if your negotiating position is a lot different if you're negotiating with a five, six, seven, eight percent mm. party than a twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen percent party. And part of this is 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 Luxon trying to get national into the early forties. Being in a really strong position to implement their policy, so and not have I, to I give into a seat to act exactly. So, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. Think yeah. It's just the, the other tr- finely trimmed political thing about this is Labor's argument now becomes with Act. It doesn't become with National now, which yeah, really, which really wedges Labor right. And Labor doesn't want to be getting into a spat with Act, but that is effectively what National has done. They said, oh, "Okay, well, you want to talk about that other stuff? That's not us." But That's they can, it. but they can just lump it all together. They can say that. I mean, <laughs> If we if we hear the phrase coalition of chaos once, we're going to hear it a trillion times <laughs> from both sides, and I'm going to get so bored. But um, but that's what Labour will do, right? It will be National Act New Zealand first in every sentence. They will National will de facto become Act. That's what Labour's going to try and do. There were some bottom lines this week, though, and one of them was uh, oh, yes. ruling out New Zealand oh. first mm, by Labour. Mm, mm, mm. Um, Chris Hipkins was really really clear. It's a bit like me um, ruling out heading NASA. 
I mean, they weren't going to offer me the job anyway, um, so it's not particularly courageous. I mean, that was, it was just, this was Hipkins, I, I think, politically quite cleverly just um, pulling pulling the pin out of a grenade and throwing it into the, the, the National Caucus room. He's trying to get, he's trying to bring Winston Peters back in and make him National's problem, really. Yeah, exactly. um, at, at least bring him into the debate, um, if not Parliament. And um, and also, it, 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 it seemed to me a little bit like um, Labour trying to, um, what Mike Moore would have described as trying to save the furniture, um, trying to bring out the base, seeing your vote at 29 and thinking, Gosh, I hope it doesn't go south to 25, um, because no matter what your position on the argument, I don't saying that we're we're supporting trans people, we're supporting these marginal communities. Great, um, that's not what a populist sort of um, party would 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 be doing. You're not going to. It's be not 50 bucks in your back pocket. Votes on that, and I'm not yeah. making a comment about any of those those communities. Um, but it, it it really felt like he was trying to save the furniture there rather than um, push on north of 30. Yeah. The, the, it was the first time, though, that I've heard him be very clear about New Zealand as a country and the divisiveness of the debates that have been had around co-governance and all these other things. You know, that we're a country of unity and, you know, don't listen to these parties like New Zealand First. And he was, he was referring to others when he said it. It was him trying to be a little bit more uh, prime ministerial. But the point about New Zealand First, and Guyon's absolutely right, like it, was, it wasn't as if Winston was going to go with him anyway. Yes, it is him lobbing a grenade. But it, I thought it was him actually also trying to pitch himself as a much more, you know, uh, a prime minister that was thinking more about the country and trying to unite the country against kind of a lot of the divisiveness yeah. in New Zealand first is pushing him. Yeah, which would be moment. credible if they hadn't gone into government with him twice before yeah. and he hadn't been doing the same thing for decades. I mean, let's face it, he's been, he's been, he's been doing that and, and um, playing up fears about Hoping immigration, and and... about um, Muslim extremists, you, you name whatever. He chooses the, a different whatever one. Whatever the bogeyman you know. of the day is, yeah. it's, it, he has done that every time. The, the There's no thing. argument with that and they've been quite happy to form governments with him. Um, he basically That's installed true. the the Adern government in 2017, and That's Hipkins true. was a yeah. major player in these last two terms. So the idea that they've suddenly gone, oh gee, this Winston Peters guy's a bit of a populist. Come on. The other thing for me was that um, another road to Damascus experience. There's been a few of those this campaign. Yeah. The other thing for me it reminded me of, of one of my favourite 1980s songs by Johnny Mathis and Denise uh, Williams, which is um, "Too Much, Too Little, Too Late." <laughs> he should have been doing that stuff right at the top, and I think he's, is this he's, is this Shane Jones's next TikTok? Video? <laughs> this, is, this could be a segue into it. Hopefully, we don't have time for it. Before we wrap up, just very quickly, there was some movement in, in uh, electorate seats that we've mentioned earlier, um, but one was in Ireland. Yeah, there was a poll. I think it was a courier poll. Um, I think of about 400 people. Yeah. It's always tough polling in, in single electorates. We used to do this in Māori electorates with only five, uh, 500 people and got slammed by everyone under the sun because the, 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 um, the poll wasn't sample big enough. Sizes. The sample yeah. sizes and all that kind of stuff. It was only 400. And, of course, the um, national candidate, whose name is Hamish, surname I can't remember, um, who, who was an Aussie for a little while, went to Christchurch Boys, lives in Rickerton. Rickerton is in Ireland. It's a part of that Ireland electorate. It's way ahead. But... Uh, Sarah Pellet, who's the current MP, and uh, Rav Mungie, who is the top leader and is 
canvassing hard and trying to compete hard in that electorate. Uh, Sarah Pillard on 20% and Raf on 18. Um, you know, in 2017, Raf stood as an independent. He was actually poll- he polled really highly in the initial polls in Ireland in 2017 against Jerry Brownlee. Didn't go his way. He lost momentum in the last three months. It's not a good poll for him. The thing is, is that essentially there's been a split vote, right? And that electorate. Looks like it when you look back at the way people voted in Ireland before, when he is standing in the seat, mm. something happens to the left vote because there is one there's one election in between where he didn't stand, and you can see there's more definitive lines drawn. So in Ireland, it's national versus the rest, and would so would the rest actually cobble together or something? Say let's get top in, let's see if we can get top into into Parliament and actually. Yeah, and, and, there, and, there are, and there are Labour seats, obviously, in Christchurch, Christchurch Central and others, and I'm wondering what the impact of this is, what the current position is, particularly in Ireland, what is that important of other things happening in other electorates within uh, within Christchurch itself? You know, Sarah Pellet was a good, she's a good MP. Raf's a very popular guy, particularly after what happened in Christchurch as a councillor, also after um, the, the attacks in 2019. He was an advocate, a fierce and staunch advocate for a lot of those Muslim families, and he's only on 18%. Mm. So would Labour and the Greens have a cup of tea and actually arrange a, a deal for Raf? Probably not. No. Um, no, but I refer you well, back to the, the other lo- lot vote split. Yeah, I mean, stats. what the other lot do? Uh, yeah, well, I'm not sure. Like? I mean, I'm not sure whether um, in whose advantage would it be to have top in Parliament. Mm. I, I, I open question. I, I, I don't know. Um, Someone who was struggling to get over the line, <laughs> or just wanted a buffer. You know, you need another friend. Yeah. Would he make the coalition of chaos? Or? <laughs> it's right, one more friend around the table. Or the um, coalition of cuts. I can't remember who's who at the moment. There's so many names. Yeah, I mean, he came second in 2017. I can't see a deal happening. And no. his polling is not high enough for even a no, conversation to be had at well, the moment. Well, talking about cups of teas, there are, there are none in Epsom anymore. That, that's um, history because National is back on the attack in, <laughs> in Epsom. They want it. National is going to take Epsom back off act, supposedly. Do we believe any of that? <laughs> <laughs> You know, well, I, I sitting at 12%. Speaking of cup of teas, it must be almost time for one. I think the hottest electorate in the country at, at the moment, because of one candidate, is Northland. <laughs> Come on, Tim. You Here know we go. Country. Play Shane Jones. How do you think we're going to get along with this co-governance? Shane Jones back. We're looking for seats. I don't grind, you know. Are you happy? Nah. Are you satisfied? Labor's up in a heap. Fix the roads and we'll kill inflation to the Northland beat. Change on vote for us. Change on vote for us. We look at infrastructure, cost of living, change on vote for us. On the video, uh, laughing during the video says a lot. Um, and, the, uh, and the fact that they weren't prepared to show their faces <laughs> uh, says quite a bit too. <laughs> yeah, there's lots in it. It doesn't rhyme. It's off time. It's brilliant. Brilliant piece of artistry. God, what are we going to get next week? Uh, that is Caucus. We will be back next week. Whether Shane Jones will make another appearance, who knows? Shane keeps singing for us. We're going to keep playing it. Thank you very much for your time, everybody. We'll see you this, uh, this time next week on Caucus. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.